This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey friends, today's guest is the Brooklyn, New York-based singer-songwriter Verite. We take a deep dive into the hit single, Younger Women, taken from her 2020 EP, New Limbs, Volume 1. Verite shared the inspiration behind the song's lyrics, which at the time were extremely painful and wrought with anger, but she wouldn't change a thing. Younger Women is 4 minutes and 36 seconds of some of the catchiest electro-pop there is. She co-produced the track along with Aaron Forbes, and truly credits him with giving the song all of those special added nuances that really set it apart from just a standard pop track. I mentioned that I love how the song's melody constantly changes and the song gets bigger and bigger, finally culminating with the last chorus. And, have you ever heard of a tin can of shame? Well, you will. For all this and a bunch more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. I heard your Brooklyn accent on coffee there. That was nice. <laughs> yeah, I, it's um, my mom is from Brooklyn and it's like there. I grew up an hour north, but some things have seeped into my subconscious. Some some things have seeped in. Well, that's great. Want to give uh, the listeners a little bit a uh, little bit of history on on, on Verte. Uh, Verte means truth in French. I did not know that. Learn something new every day. Yeah, I, I mean, I speak no French. And honestly, the, the name decision was I gave myself a deadline. I know I wanted a, a pseudonym and I wanted a little bit of detachment from uh, Kelsey. And I committed and now it's who I am. I am the truth. There you go. Well, you got your, uh, I'm going to call it your professional start in 2014, but it says you've been writing songs uh, since you were 16 years old. You've released two full-length records and six EPs, the latest being 2020's New Limbs Volume 1, uh, which is uh, the song that we're going to be talking about today, Younger Women. So you've been uh, you've been busy. I have been. Six EPs? That's so many EPs. <laughs> I feel like they just, the, the EPs... Uh, they just kind of flow out of you and you don't realize that you, you know, they add up to full albums. Well, it kind of used to be the other way around. You, you'd put a bunch of albums out and you do EPs. I think that the, the tides have kind of changed. Uh, you know, things are different. Now, a lot of people are just, as, as you know, just releasing singles and not even doing full length albums or EPs anymore. Yeah, I really like the EP format. It feels a bit more digestible and I think gives you a little bit more flexibility and room to, to play. Uh, mm -hmm. without the confines of, of having to create a much bigger world for an album. That makes a lot of sense. Well, um, a couple things before we, we break, start breaking down the song, we get into that. Um, what is your, your songwriting process like? So do you play guitar? Do you play piano? Or how, how do you write when you, when you sit down to write a song? I play piano uh, primarily. I play very remedial guitar, but I think the limitations of that actually can help me in some ways, uh, just because my brain interprets that instrument in such a simple way. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've definitely tracked a bunch of guitars for that EP, New Limbs. But I think it's different for every song. I think that... My favorite writing process, and I think what yields the songs that feel uh, the closest to me and I believe are the best are songs written how Younger Women was written, which is me and a piano and really focusing on the core of the song and then beginning to slowly produce it out. 
and kind of give it a bit more character and more life. But it's really focused on the melody and the lyrics and the song structure. Gotcha. And what typically comes first to you? Is it the lyric? Is it a melody? Or is it maybe some piano chords or, or guitar chord? What 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 typically? Or is it uh, all over the place like me? <laughs> it's all over the place. I actually have maybe they're still on my phone, the voice memos of when I actually wrote Younger Women because I have a horrific memory. So I wind up recording all of these very early um, ideas because I, I don't want to miss a melody and then not be able to remember it. And so it all comes at once. Like I'll sit down and I'll hit a piano note and then I'll sing a note and then I'll start mumbling in a way. And mm-hmm. sometimes maybe I'll have a phrase written down in my phone that I try and fit into that context. Sometimes I don't. Um, And so I feel like it's definitely slowly molding a very lumpy bit of clay. And it's the second you find a good idea, whether it's a chord or whether it's a little melody or whether it's a few words, it's like you hold on to that and that becomes an anchor point. And then slowly but surely as you progress, it's like you get more and more anchor points. And then you kind of use a bit of like creative problem solving to figure out how you tie those anchor points together. Do you usually know when you come up with an initial idea, if it's going to be something or I, 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 I typically know. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely, at least for me, I write a lot of bad music that no one will ever hear. Um, me too. Right. As we, as we all do, but you, you know, when something is good because there is a motivation to continue with it. Like I'm not going to sit there on a progression and a melody that feels bad to me. I'm going to change it until it feels good. So it's almost like you're, you're, you want to slot it in and you're kind of meandering around until you kind of make a goal and you're like, okay, cool. That feels good. I'm going to keep that. And your voice and, and I don't want to take this the wrong way. It has a, Uh, just this rich old soul kind of quality to it and what are some of your your influences that that you could cite i I typically try to ask that question because i've been asked that so many times it gets boring yeah i I really i really have to know because you have such a such a unique voice thank you and i mean i grew up listening to a lot of the cranberries the breeders fiona apple then I went into like my 90s pop, Nelly Furtado, Michelle Branch phase. But uh, but I feel like the Cranberries especially, like when I was younger, I used to cover Zombie. It was the only song I could play on the guitar. It was uh, Zombie by the Cranberries and What's Up by the Four Non Blondes. And I mean, but they were, it was like two years of me only covering those two songs, uh, you know, at like, you know, 11, 12 years old. And so just like these really powerful female voices. And I think like, I really admired those women, especially Fiona Apple and the idea of they, they all had very distinct voices and distinct melodic structures. And, and my goal is to always kind of carve a path out for myself where I I want people to be able to listen to a song of mine and feel like this is definitely a verite song. Like this isn't some song that can exist and anyone can sing it. Like I want it to have a home in my world. Well, this, this track definitely does. (laughs) It just has a lot of, a lot of human emotion. It's, it's, it's really cool. Something else I find really intriguing is that you're basically an independent artist and to have the success that you've achieved. I mean, you haven't had like super major label backing. Uh, you become what I'm calling a, a, a Twitter and kind of a Spotify phenomenon with all, all these plays that, that you have. And um, what what do you attribute that to besides great songwriting? Is it the team behind you? It's just, uh, again, uh, I, I was really surprised that you've just been releasing project after project independently. It's really, really refreshing and cool to see. Thank you. And it's really nice to hear an outside perspective because I feel like I'm always, I'm so inside of my project and it feels like I'm day, I'm on the ground with the day-to-day challenges of that and figuring out, cool, how do we break through this next ceiling and this next ceiling, especially with an ever-changing music industry landscape. Right. But like, I think I can, I attribute it to a lot of hard work and low expectations. You know, my, core, <laughs> I have a brilliant team around me, but my core team is me and my manager. 
And we just have a vision for how we can succeed. And I've been independent kind of before it was the cool and trendy thing to do before it was accessible to a lot of people to be independent. Now we have all of these distribution companies and label services companies that allow for both things. And I think early on in my career, I really saw the limitations of myself as an artist, not wanting to play the radio game and not wanting to feel like my autonomy and freedom to move forward was blocked in any way. And so I kind of self-funded and took this independent approach very intentionally. And I think where it's landed me is, is a position where, you know, six, seven, I guess, seven years, like I'm still doing this and, and have Mm -hmm. built a really solid foundation and have a lot of freedom of choice in how I move forward. And that's what's most important to me. Well, that's an amazing outlook. And and I'll tell you why, you know, uh, the radio, commercial radio, uh, they'll they'll chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, Uh, exactly. It's a a short game. I mean, there's very (laughs) few uh, of the huge superstars that can last 30 years in that, in in that game. Uh, And you've built a core base that's going to stay with you and it's just growing and, and again your, your your numbers are are insane and the fact that uh, you're doing it on your own terms is uh i, I said it before it's, it's refreshing and really cool to see amazing i it, it's really nice like i said to have an outside perspective view the project like that because on the inside i'm just like more we like we got to keep pushing and churning you know what i mean it's <laughs> relentless yeah, no. Well, I think that's that's the uh, the the game we're in. You know, as you said, just uh, you know, try try to keep those expectations low and and be a little lighthearted as you seem to be, and I hope that help helps to get you through. Um, this track was produced by yourself and uh, Aaron Forbes. Uh, Aaron has worked with Coin, uh, Billie Eilish, Banks, and Halsey. That's a uh, Nothing to sneeze at there. So how did you uh, end up hooking up with him? So Aaron and I actually have the same manager. And so it was a very, um, that process was very easy. We've known each other for years. And I think that COVID and quarantine kind of pushed us to work in this manner. Uh, Before then, we had done a few sessions together. And, you know, my writing process when I'm in sessions, it's really hit or miss whether I write a song that works. Um, And so our process was really me sitting and kind of presenting him, you know, a half produced, fully written song and saying, cool, I've hit my ceiling on this. I need new eyes. I need new blood. Like I really want to work this song out with you. And so that process, I feel like was really refreshing and exciting for me. And I feel like I learned a lot as well because I got to have somebody interpret my production and elevate it, which, uh, I'm really grateful for. Well, that's a great perspective because I've always felt that I can take my song only as far as I can. And I know there's something great there sometimes, but like, where does it go from here? And you said, get that fresh set of eyes on it, you know? So this particular track, young, um, Younger Women, so when it was written, was it pretty much all the same when you produced it or, or uh, presented it to Aaron? Yeah. So Younger Women, I've been co-producing music. I co-produced my last record, um, I've always been very involved in the production process, but never uh, fully embodied the role of producer, like producing from my own session on my own computer with my own tools. Uh, Part of that was the fact that it wasn't my general skill set and it was something that needed to be developed. And so COVID hit and I was very alone and having a mild nervous breakdown and I really doubled down on production. And so Younger Women is actually the first song that I produced myself, um, that I sat oh, wow. that I sat down, I programmed the drums, I programmed all of those synths, I came up with the, uh, the core arrangement. Um, I So it's like a lot of the meat of that kind of came from myself messing around within the first month of quarantine. And it was this exhale of a moment to be like, oh, this role that I've kind of been taking, but on the sideline, it was really empowering to sit at the helm and be like, oh no, I'm absolutely a producer. I'm not as good of a producer as Aaron when it comes to the technical ability, when it comes to the reinterpretation of how he he molded and crafted those sounds and, and the vision he added. But it was really a brilliant experience to be like, okay, moving forward, I'm doing way more 
development on my own because I'm very capable of that. That's that's awesome. So the skeleton of the song and the arrangement, pretty much in the lyric, everything was there when you presented it to him, and then he just added the bells and whistles. Yeah, I mean, I think what he did was I I gave him a slightly more molded <laughs> lump of clay, but it there was no it, it lacked a bit of sonic definition, right? And and that mm. was in part like I could I was struggling with the bass and and how that sat in the mix, and I was struggling with how to um just make it a more dynamic piece of music right it was a bit uh linear and so i think that he really added so much detail and nuance that was completely necessary well we're going to uh, uh jump into the track here it was released on october 9th 2020 from the new limbs volume one ep and uh the song's four minutes and 31 or 36 seconds and a lot of times, you know, uh, pop songs are, you know, are in that three-minute wheelhouse I've, I've found. Uh, sometimes you start getting over the four-minute mark and songs start to drag. This song doesn't sound like four minutes and 36 seconds to me. It just, it goes by really quick. And just, I think it's just because the song's so good, you know? Thank you. Yeah, the form is a bit strange. And I think that I allowed, I I, I don't really consider form when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes... Sometimes that works to my benefit because you come up with something unique where I'm keeping myself entertained as I write it. Therefore, it's more entertaining (laughs) for the listener as they listen. And every once in a while, you have to go back and say, "Okay, that was gratuitous and trim it down. But this was that very it was just a lucky moment, honestly, where it was just like the song was written in a linear way and the kind of ebbs and flows of it. I think keep you generally engaged because things come that you're not necessarily expecting. Yeah. And some, when, sometimes songs, when they're written in a linear flow, they can tend to be boring or, you know, not interesting, but this is linear in a sense that it, from the beginning of it, it keeps building. There's, there's nothing here I would trim. The song just gets more interesting as it goes along. And it's just, it's really great. So it starts off just with you singing and there's just something really personal about this vocal uh, when it comes on. I held my breath for as long as I could And I sunk myself to the bottom of your room And I waited still impatient For you to come starts out with a piano synth just single notes at the top i held my breath for as long as i could and i sunk myself to the bottom of your room and i waited still impatient for you to cut me like a blade would considering the time between when we first locked eyes and when you walked out on me you were not what i expected all kill and no regret and a couple things before you set this up the first four lines uh, of the verse, like there's this piano synth with some single notes. At the second half, the piano gets busier there. So it's already kind of starting to build the song. After the word expected, and it's the only time I hear this in the song, do you hear or do you know like there's like sounds like seagulls there? Huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like what I expected. Oh, There, that's that's an Aaron move. Aaron added uh, just to create, like a again. You want to put music into a space, and he uh, put this environment track, and it like and and out of context, you're just like, why the fuck are we at the beach? Um, but in you you in context, it just like it's really really subtle. But like you hear birds, and you hear like a little wind rustling, and it just yeah. it kind of takes you into like a bit of a different dimension. I don't think I noticed it the maybe the first, second, or third <laughs> time, but I I probably heard this song thirty times in the last couple of days. It's been really getting into it, and it's just uh, I I kept <laughs> kept rewinding that like whoa, what is that? But it adds something. It's just uh, it's cool. 
It's cool. Thank you. I love when people notice like the smallest, smallest things. Cause I notice those things when I listen to other people's music and I'm really intentional as I add them to mine, because you want, you, you want to create a more dynamic experience for the listener. Did Aaron mix the track too? No, uh, John Castelli, who mixed my last record and the whole new Limsy uh, EP. Okay, so so when did you hear the seagull? Were you in the studio with Aaron, or did he make a rough mix and give it to you? You're like, what the hell is that? So we, Aaron and I, did all the production, or, or probably ninety percent of like the production that he worked on on Zoom, or pro- actually not on Zoom, on uh, FaceTime. So we would FaceTime and then have the session open, and he sent me an audio movers link, and so we like. Scrolled th- he scrolled through a few environment things, but he was just like, I feel like we need, there's also kids playing as well somewhere in there. Uh, so I think, oh, I think I know where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, I have listened. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> no, but I think, I think this part's great. I think that's really cool that he sent you a couple options. Like, I think this is the one that's a, that's a, that's a cool way to, uh, to produce. Yeah. I think it's, a, you got to go with your gut. Like, I think production is so much of experimentation, but eventually you have to make a decision. And until it goes to mix, your decision can always change. Yeah, for sure. Something else that I I mentioned a moment ago that I I love about this first verse is it just, it sounds personal. And I I feel like there's some pain there that I can actually (laughs) feel, that I can actually feel. Oh, yeah. You know, you, 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 you have to be able to sell that. I mean, I had a producer tell me when I was young, I was probably 21 and he said you're not selling it and I'm like what's he talking about I didn't know what that meant and I just I think I wasn't feeling it I was young and maybe that lyric wasn't grabbing me but sometimes when you write a lyric and it hits you here it translates from your heart through the microphone on onto uh, the, the recording and and I can feel that here yeah I mean I think a lot of the music that I write is is intended to to share a feeling, and most of my feelings are dark, right? And but at this particular juncture, I mean, my life had really disintegrated um, through like a, a long story that I won't get fully into. But it you know it was the end of a relationship. He won't mind me talking about this because it's all we've mended. It's COVID, you know what I mean? You, you come full circle. Um, but, you know, I was with my partner for so long and he was my creative partner as well. Right. We, oh, we, wow. we co-produced new skin together and, you know, there was just, a, you know, a circumstances which caused that to disintegrate at the beginning of COVID. And so it was like having the rug pulled out and all you have is this pain and only time to sit in it. And I think I'm really grateful for that experience because it's such a gift to be able to just sit and not have the opportunity to be distracted. There was nowhere to go. There wasn't Mm -hmm. enough television to watch. And so (laughs) I sat and just played this song, this was like my first month of quarantine writing and producing this um, with all of that pain, with all of that. And so the fact that it translates is really interesting, but also I wasn't in communication with my partner, right? And so this was also an attempt to communicate in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that is a really interesting, I guess, mode of of the lyrics is like when you can't speak to somebody but you're trying to communicate with them yeah and when you truly bear your your bleeding heart those are the song those those are those are the songs that connect right oh yeah those are the song those are the songs that connect well we get into the pre-chorus and i love this pre-chorus because it happens three times and and Pre-choruses usually don't happen. Like you said, this is a, this is a weird, a different arrangement. I'm not going to call it weird. Different arrangement. But I love that it changes every time. And on this first one, it's just you, sung alone. You say, if you don't want me anymore. And the second line's the same thing, if you don't want me anymore. And this time only, it ends with like a flanged synth note. <laughs> yeah. If you don't want me anymore. If you don't want me And then it stops, and then the drum loop kicks in. Yeah. And the drum loop is just kick um, and snare. There's no hi-hats in there. Um, 
and the, the synths are in there. And on the first uh, line of the chorus, and at this point we're at uh, one minute and eight seconds in the in the song when the chorus comes. Uh, on the first line, just say it. It almost sounds like there's a male voice with you here. Either that, or you dropped your voice a couple semitones or something. Mm-hmm. Just say it. Is that somebody else singing with you there? No, that's me. I uh, we that's you. yeah okay. we we dropped we <laughs> dropped it down the octave and distorted it and made it made it a bit phantom like. That's cool. Okay, well we'll get into some other stuff here in a moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna read through this first chorus. Uh, just say it. Open your lips and lay it on me. Don't delay it. Look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore. I'm not that good. Good kind of love you want. Love. You want love. If you don't want me, just say it. Open your lips and lay it on me. Don't delay it. Look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore. I'm not that good, good kind of love you want. And I also notice on this chorus that there's I'm calling it a xylophone that's in there it's like yeah that uh much to my uh shame is a pitched splice sample (laughs) but that I highly manipulated (laughs) and uh cut up and chromatically tuned it's a percussive element it's uh, like I would equate it to like hitting a stick on a coffee can um, okay, but you said shame because I think it's a pretty cool part. Well, I say shame in the sense that I think because I was such a new producer, I I wasn't comfortable and didn't have the setup. I was at my parents' house to record all of my own sounds. <laughs> so I think okay. that when when I use splice samples, I, I primarily use it to demo things out, and then we sound replace them with our own unique sounds because those sounds are kind okay. of available to everyone. And so, but this sound it just worked so perfectly. So sometimes you have to kind of keep the sample library sound and then just make it unique yourself. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. I can't tell you how many times I've done something on a demo I didn't think much of it that ends up on the real recording because you can't best it. Yeah, you're just like, yeah, there's, there's no valor in me trying to like, take my glass and hit a stick on it and pitch it when the sound is so perfect. Yeah. And I like the mixing of it because it starts in the, in the right ear, but then goes to the left. Yeah. It kind of circles your, it circles your head. It's, it's really cool. And it's on uh, the just say it line. The first line it's on the second line. Uh, then later in the chorus, it's on two other lines. It's, it's sporadic, but where it's at is cool. Also, there's no harmonies on this chorus at all. Again, the song's building. That's all going to come later. But there's no harmonies here. And 
Well, I wrote male voice again with a question mark. I now know that's you, an octave down. That also happens on the line. If you don't want me, just say it. And then at that point in the chorus, this uh, snare drum comes in, okay? And then there's a hi-hat sample that's panned off to the to the right speaker. Mm-hmm. And it just makes the chorus grow without... You don't really know why but it just kind of kind of kind of lifts there because of that production it's pretty cool thank you this is probably one of my proudest producer moments because like i had never really programmed program drums and aaron and i actually went back and forth a lot so my drums were very very loose um and he tightened them up and i was just Mm. like those are way too tight and so we actually went back to my original drum production and he went through and he's just like this is non-negotiable you have to let me fix this and so it's like we kind of went that detail oriented and we found this really great middle place and i think like those hi-hats those panned it's like a shakery hi-hat vibe yeah things like that coming in it was i mean that for me was pure experimentation there wasn't a lot of um intention as i was doing it i just wanted it to always feel like it was evolving and always feel like something else was coming in and something else was grabbing your attention. And talk to me about a little bit about the lyrics in this course, what you're trying to, what you're saying here. I think that I'm very direct and I think I had come out of this experience feeling like there wasn't, you know, there was no closure, right? There was no, Mm -hmm. right? I was like an open bleeding wound and there there was no ability to have closure because you know for a lot of reasons um that being said like i am such a direct person um and i so value that direct communication and so i think going back to the idea that the song was a piece of communication like i wanted to like just say it like just just say it like it's such a simple simple concept but something I think that everyone can relate to but I also had no forethought I just that that was stream of conscious chorus writing yeah and and as my listeners know this is audio only but when you're saying that I can see the you know I can see the heartache in your face I can see that it it hurts yeah and I was mad (laughs) Also, <laughs> that doesn't help. Don't a woman's scorn is never good. Oh no no no. <laughs> um, so we get into the second verse, and I love the first line of this because it feels like it's a continuation of the chorus. Because it's if you don't want me, it's that line again. Yeah, and you sing it kind of like the chorus, but then you re- you realize that you dropped into a, into verse two. If you don't want me, just wash your hands of all of me. Which that's really cool. I can't th- recall a song that's done that. I probably have, but I can't recall one. Whose idea was that? Or just the way it came out? Just the way it came out. Like that, that was definitely, uh, I, I don't remember exactly how I wrote it, but it, it just fit so much. And honestly, I, I do things like that actually semi-frequently like the idea of tying these these bigger motifs into these other parts of the song um so it just felt like a correct transition well i really like it i'm going to read these lyrics and we'll get into some of the production stuff uh if you don't want me just wash your hands of all of me this line kills me (laughs) (laughs) you know what's coming uh get your dick wet with someone who's easy because i was not what you were chasing younger women and something to play with and I love that younger women's not like the refrain. It's not like the overall theme you're singing over and over and over. It's just one line in the song that ends up being the title of the song. I've, I've always loved that in songwriting. I think that's really cool. There's a synth going on uh, in this verse, and there's like a rimshot snare sound that's panned left and right with each hit. So it's taking your ears kind of like, you know, ping pong back and forth. On this first line... There, it almost sounds like there's a backwards backing vocal or something happening buried. If you don't want me, just wash your hands of all of me. Get your thick wet with someone who's easy. Cause I was not what you would chase. Younger women and something to play with. 
That was Aaron. That was some Aaron genius. Um, where that's he, cool. Yeah, he, that's cool. He was just like, we need something more fluid and dynamic in this section, and so that's just like random, very pitched down, reversed kind of amorphous vocals ebbing and flowing in and out. And I feel like Aaron is a master of of that type of vocal manipulation. Um, and when he played it for me, I was just like, it was like it had been a part of the song forever i was trying so hard to figure out exactly is there words there and it, it, that's not meant what the part's meant for it's a production thing and it, it just sits so so well in the mix it's great yeah he did he it, it, and it's those touches where i never would have conceptualized that he really shines at it's like these these little details that actually make a world of difference right and i like that on the second line get your dick wet with someone who's easy that's the first <laughs> harmony in the song yeah you know you see you save your first harmony for the for the dick line <laughs> well i think i definitely wanted that line to have an impact and i think that this whole song would lead people to right i've already discussed like i wrote this as a relationship disintegrated but like Poor guy didn't cheat, um, right? You know, but that being said, it's this idea of feeling like um, someone isn't willing to work hard enough. They want the easy thing, right? They want the thing that is convenient. Um, whereas, you know, being in a partnership and a relationship is this thing that is dynamic and takes a lot of work and dedication. And it's never the easier thing to to sit and and do that work and so I'll, I'll clarify that point but that being said it's like that's the, that's the beauty of songwriting is like you have the truth and then you have the the this broader world and context for that truth where like you want it to hit home and you want it to be accessible and so like get your dick wet with someone who's easy is like that perfect um like cut in a way of just like mm -hmm. you know exactly what i'm saying and you can <laughs> interpret it literally or you can interpret it like more figuratively right well i love that that's the first harmony and we also get a harmony on the last line younger women and something to play with and on those last two lines because i was not uh, what you were chasing younger women and something to play with there's that weird background ethereal voice thing that aaron created that happens on those two lines as well that, that i think is really neat yeah, he that the second verse, it's like short and very sweet, but I think it it definitely drives home the sentiment of the song overall. But it's to, to your point that we always want to have these new elements coming mm -hmm. in without having it sound busy or too cluttered. Yeah, and we get into pre-chorus number two, and I, again, I love it because you sing it different every time, and it just but you're building it. It's not just the first time's kind of straight. On this one, if you don't want me anymore, if you don't want me anymore, it's the same two lines. Uh, the first one is sung alone again, uh, which that one's the same melody as the first time. But then the second one, the melody changes on that line, and it's awesome. And in between there, it, it almost sounds like there's an oboe here with like sporadic high synth notes. If you don't want me anymore, if you don't want me anymore, just say it. I guess an oboe. <laughs> it's, I think it, I want to say it's a prophet. Okay. And I want to say that that was what the, like one of the original sounds of my production. And I think honestly, like some of these like random sounds coming in like uh, some were very like specifically crafted by aaron and then some were just like sounds that i had created and then gotten really attached to um and so we wound up keeping them in and so i think kind of my um novice production brain benefited us in some ways because i was just throwing shit at a wall um yeah. and the things that stuck really stuck I love that part because, again, it introduces another sound right there, and it just keep, keeps the song moving. Um, getting into chorus number two, I'm going to read the lyrics again. Just say it. Open your lips and lay it on me. Don't delay it. Look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore. I'm not that good. Good kind of love you want, love. If you don't want me, just say it. Open your lips and lay it on me. Don't delay it. Look me in the face and tell me you don't want to lie anymore. I'm not that good. Good kind of love you want, love. 
and then the last three lines weren't there the first time. So you get an extension here. It's not a double chorus, it's an extension of a chorus, and that is really cool. I, again, can't recall the last time I've seen that in songwriting. And the last three lines are love. You don't know what you want. Don't know what you want. So you hang your head in your hands and say nothing at all. Oh, if you don't want me to say it. At the top of this chorus, the full drum loop is there this time. It's mm-hmm. not just the kick and the snare. The full drum loop with that uh, that cool hi-hat is panned off to the right. And, uh, of course, you're getting your, uh, I'm calling it the xylophones. You're calling it the tin can. Yeah, whatever. The, 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 the tin can of shame is back. <laughs> <laughs> the tin can of shame. Yeah, that's. What, I want you to give. I want you to send me that sample. I want to use it on one of my songs. I will. That's what I call it. All right. Um, but that's back here on the uh, uh, first uh, two lines, and it's uh, throughout the chorus uh, a couple more times. Um, but I love that the three lines happen there. Whose idea was that? Was that how it was originally written, or was that something that you came up with it with Aaron? No, that was that was the original. Like, the whole form uh, and, and core of the song was fully there. It's really interesting, though, how it only goes three times, but it it it's hard to explain. It doesn't feel like, whoa, that it's, doesn't, it doesn't feel forced, and it doesn't feel like the chorus is going too long. It, it, it feels like it should be there. But when you go back to listen to chorus one, you don't miss it, if that makes sense. Well, I think it would be improper to have it in the, fir- the first chorus is complete. I, I, I view it as a hybrid bridge, right? Because there's no technical bridge, right? And so you have the chorus and somehow you're just melding in this, uh, like, I don't know, a pr- B prime section into the into the chorus because it, it okay. is a completely different section. The harmony changes, the melody changes, right? It, it, it does. I, I had, and I had bridge here with a question mark. So you're kind of calling that a bridge too. I call though. it a bridge, but it, I mean, obviously they're very melded together, but that, that wasn't an intentional thing. It, that was something that I worked out as I was sitting there for hours playing the same thing over and over. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the beautiful thing going back to like, what my favorite mode of songwriting is, is is when you're just sitting for three hours and playing the same thing over and over again, things just naturally develop. And so you're, you get, I, I get bored. Right. And so I'm sitting playing and I'm just like, by the time I get here, I'm bored. I want to do something different. And then you start playing sure. around and grow. And then each chorus kind of reaches a new plateau. And it, the goal is to like, as I'm writing, keep myself engaged and entertained. And if I can do that, I can assume that a listener will also still be engaged and entertained. Yeah, and I and I love chorus two here because you got the harmonies all through this one. And then uh, right when it uh, before it goes to that those last three lines, so it's the last four lines here. There's this, and I in my notes wrote it K U H K U H. It's like a k k k k sound. Is that the little kids you're talking about playing? Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's like a. I'm hearing something there. It's like buried in the production, but it's really cool. I don't think that's the kids playing. That's probably just like a residual percussion that as, okay. at that as as sound elements are being pulled out, you're hearing that probably exists in exists in the whole chorus, but. You're just kind of catching a glimpse of it. Okay, because I really like that. The other thing that's interesting about this track is there's no musical interludes. Again, it's four minutes and 36 seconds. You'd think you'd have to have, okay, here comes the, you know, the violin part, or here comes the drum breakdown, or the guitar solo, or whatever's going to happen. And it's just, it keeps going, this story. But it never feels tired. It never feels like, oh, this is going on. The song song goes by really quickly. I think that... 
I'm not good at writing music interludes into songs in general, which I think sometimes are my downfall because I think people, like you said, they people do sometimes need breaks. That being said, I really treat my voice like an instrument and the melody like an instrument. And so I think because of that, because it's this like dynamic and very flexible part of this track, it's, I guess it's just not as, um, the only word that's coming to is annoying, but you know, when you hear the same melody <laughs> over and over and you're just like, okay, cool, I'm done. I, I, mm-hmm. I try to keep my melodies very fluid um, and reactive to the music. And I think that this track does that really well. Oh, you you do a great job at it, as evidenced by yeah this track alone. I mean, it's 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 really cool. Just the the different nuances. It doesn't it doesn't get uh, boorish. It doesn't get tiring. You know, the the, the melodies can continually change. Uh, coming into pre-chorus number three, and I almost put like this is like a post-chorus here because your melody really changes here and lifts to that last chorus. Uh, again, the first line, I know you don't want me anymore, is you alone. And the second line, I know you don't want me anymore. Uh, you really hold out the more and you do this, uh, I, I wrote it's a great hook uh, and I, <laughs> I wrote down, it's kind of like you say who, who, who uh, there <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, when you're singing on the more. just lifts that last chorus I, I love that part thank you i think the octave up chorus jump a is always effective yes but i think that because it sits like this song is not easy to sing particularly it's very just like intensive and so i love how some of these like melodic variations in this upper register came naturally out of necessity of you know, how it was natural to sing up there. Right. And so they weren't, they weren't structured, but it was just like, oh, a holding out of that note is necessary. Or even like the run that I do in the second half, it's because I need to keep that, create some motion in order to sustain the note um, kind of in that register. And when things like that happen, it's like, again, creative constraints. It's like, the fact that I can't hold out that high belt for as long, it creates these other moments that you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love this third chorus. And when you, the first line, just say it, there's no longer the, uh, what I was calling a male voice, your octave pitch lower voice. It's you harmonizing on that first one there. Yeah. Which is really cool. Just say it. Angry Kelsey. That's really cool. The, right? Angry <laughs> I like that. That one is like that line in particular is so fun to yell. Like I can't wait to perform this song live so I can just yell it at my fans. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's great. And uh, again, you it already mentioned I wrote here you sing uh, this one up an octave and the melody changes throughout. It really builds and the harmonies. Uh, some of these are really high and they're really cool. I'm also hearing that ka-ka-ka sound on the back half of this chorus again uh, that's kind of just buried back there and it just kind of takes your ear away from the melody but pulls you, but not in a bad way. It's really cool. Now I'm interested. I have to go back and like find this sound Uh, and I'll tell you and I'll send you a note and be like, this is exactly what it is. But I think that it's it's funny, just the interplay of all of the melody with the very loose percussion and Mm -hmm. because the the percussion is loose, but also it's like a very simple beat that really doesn't change. And so it just allows for so much fluidity 
on top of it. Right. And the, uh, the the tin can of shame is back on the first two lines here. <laughs> That's the only time it happens in this course. It yeah. doesn't happen again, which, which, which I found interesting. And on the last line here, and says nothing at all, it just kind of stops. And that oboe sounding synth, the prophet, I guess, is panned off right. And then the music stops completely. And then there's sparse piano in synth notes throughout at the end. Very sparse. And the first line, if you don't want me, just say it, is sung alone. There's no harmonies here at the end, uh, which to me gives it just this deeply personal, you know, it's it's not two people singing, it's it's you, it's one. Um, and you just repeat that line four times. If you don't want me, just say it. If you don't want me, just say it. If you don't want me, just say it. If you don't want me, just say it If you don't want me, just say it Ends on this nice little uh, piano triplet and F sharp and the song's over. But I love those last four lines. It's great. Thank you. There's nothing better than taking someone on a ride and then stopping it. Right. It's and yeah. I feel like that last chorus was that like that last chorus is a ride. It's all different. It's a lot of new information. And then to kind of just suck it all out and pull the rug a bit and just be like, OK, now we're stopping. Like it's done. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through heartache uh, <laughs> to, to get there. But, the, the you know, like I said, this song's full of emotion and, and uh, you got you got a great song out of it. Thank you. I mean, I, how I feel about like life experience and songwriting and, and everything is, I would never create chaos in my life for creativity, but I become very grateful for like life experience, whether it's phenomenal or like devastating, because I feel like it creates opportunities for growth. And I think that this song, especially both, you know, when I look at it personally within the context of the lyrics, it provided a vehicle for growth, but also technically and like in my abilities as a songwriter and producer, I, I mean, leaps and bounds of growth for me. And so it's one of those things where I wouldn't take back any of it. I like, I'm really grateful for the whole experience and I've kind of come out from the other end of that period of my life and this song feeling like, a better version of myself. Yeah, well, every artist is different uh, with their knowledge. Your knowledge is incredible. Of <laughs> you were really, really talked me through this one, and I and I, I appreciate it. And you know, you you don't count yourself uh, maybe on the level of, of Aaron yet, but I but I think you're on your way. Yeah, I really I really do. You're very very knowledgeable of of, of what's going on, and and uh, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to to sit in and, and break down the song. I know the listeners are going to love it. And before we before we leave here is there anything you'd like the listeners to know of what you have coming up any tour dates anything going on i have i believe a tour coming this fall knock on some wood uh so just keep your eyes open for those tour dates as we announce but other than that i'm i'm kind of releasing music throughout the rest of this year and really focused on making my third record uh for next year so i'm really excited and thank you so much for having me this was a lot of fun well thank you and uh again i wish you nothing but the best awesome thank you so much hey everyone this is tuck from fit for a king in off-road minivan every week i bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast get tucked join me every monday with bands like counterparts crystal lake like mods to flames and many more We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song via MP3 only and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Chris Schultz and the Baron Pines. Uh, they are singer-songwriters from Quakertown, Pennsylvania, formed in 2016. The Baron Pines have a unique sound that can be best described as a secret love child of the Gin Blossoms and the Get Up Kids. Here's a snippet of their song, Home. Kill them with 
The Wrap with Chris and Chris. Well, Chris, you know how excited I was for this episode. Verite has easily been one of my favorite and most listened to artists of the past few years. And I was really happy that she chose Younger Women to discuss because that's one of those songs that gives me goosebumps on goosebumps. And hearing the story behind the writing and the recording of it makes it even that much cooler to me now. Yeah, you've been wishing for her since we started this about a year ago. You said, we got to get Verite. We got to get Verite. I said, okay. And, and uh, lo and behold, you did. So my hat, my hat is off to you. Man, Verite's been on this crazy streak of releasing songs that are right in the wheelhouse of everything I love about music. She's been releasing songs one at a time for a while now, so I really get to add that song to a playlist and sit with that song and experience it in my car or in the kitchen or on the treadmill or at the pool or wherever. And yeah, she just has that incredible and unique voice matched up with lyrics that always seem to hit home in one way or another. And then presented with like a, I don't know, cool indie pop vibe. I guess that's what you'd call it. But with some hip hop production elements that I really love. And it ends up being the perfect storm of everything I personally really like to listen to. Yeah, and I don't want any of the listeners to take this the wrong way. You know, she's not a household name, at least yet. You know, uh, some of the huge, you know, pop, pop superstars, your Taylor Swift's and things like that. But she's doing it right. You know, she's not worried about the the dinosaur known as commercial radio. She's not worried about having a, a big label. She's got a great team behind her, as she said. And she's really doing what uh, I'm still striving to do in my career is to to use technology to the best of my ability to get my music out there. She's got the Twitter game locked. She's the Spotify, all the other things that they're doing to promote. And those are real fans. Those are the fans that are going to stick with you. And she's doing an, an amazing job. And look at how many people she, she's reaching with her music. I don't even know if she was on a major uh, a major label uh, uh, with money backing that she could achieve that. She doesn't need it. No. If she just keeps doing what she's doing. You say she's not a household name yet. Well, she keeps building her fan base the way she has been, which I believe is the right way, and getting all the me's of the world on board and doing everything on her own terms, I mean, even down to the production of the music, uh, I mean, being able to get on her level as a writer and a performer is a feat and an accomplishment in itself, but hearing her talk about her process on the production side was really amazing too. No, I, I I had to say something to her. And she's so knowledgeable. It was so, it was so refreshing to talk to her. Because and no disrespect uh, to to any artist, there's there's just some guys that are singers and bands, or that that maybe wrote the lyrics to a song that you may have on the show sometime. That you might ask them about something, they'll say, "Well, I don't know," because <laughs> they they don't. They 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 either weren't there or the producer created it. And you know, she was there every step of the way. And then when she didn't create something, she would say that you know. Uh, producer Aaron Forbes did that, but she would know what it was, and she she wanted to know what it was because that's what interests her. You can tell, and I told her I think she's uh, she's got a heck of a career lined up, uh, be, possibly being a producer. I mean, definitely, especially since I'm pretty sure she said that this was the first of her songs that she produced. Yeah, uh, to me, it sounded like she knew the ways that Aaron Forbes could take it to the next level sonically, but. Most things that I love in the production of this song were the things that she brought to it before he was even involved, really. Or at least that's what I took away from the conversation. And that stuff aside, I once again want to make note of how amazing her voice is. It's so unique and it has such a haunting quality to it. And she's one of those people, and I know this is a cliche that everyone says, but I could listen to her sing the telephone book and I would listen to it. And to top it off, every live video I watch of her, I mean, just go to YouTube and start watching live Verite videos. She sounds perfect live, too. These aren't songs that she's just pulling off during recording and then not able to pull off live. She is the real deal on every level. Yeah, and something we didn't mention, and her publicist said, hey, you might want to mention this, because uh, I think Kelsey uh, wanted to talk about it. Uh, there's a sister song uh, to younger women uh, called By Now. So check that out. It's called By Now. Uh, I guess she wrote it after this, the, the accompaniment to, the, to this tune, which I listened to that. Uh, I know you did too, Chris, and the song fantastic it's really good yeah verite's publicist vanessa had mentioned that she might also bring up the song by now which damn man 
I love that song too. I just assumed that maybe the songs had to deal with the same subject matter or something. So I don't know if they're actually sister songs or whatever. She didn't actually bring it up, but yeah, go check out that song too. And, uh, I thought it was super interesting that she talked about writing younger women at the beginning of the COVID lockdown, because that was such an emotional time for everyone. And if you were going through a tumultuous time personally, on top of everything that was going on in the world, it hit that much harder. I know I was personally dealing with hard stuff at that time and music, especially music did hit that much harder. It's so cool that she was able to channel that what she was going through into this song. And uh, she made note of hard times as being a gift that she doesn't seek out hardship to channel into her songwriting. She's not out looking for that, but if it happens, she's going to use it. And one more thing that she mentioned, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, Chris, but it was that she was using the song as a piece of communication. I think it's the way she put it to the person it was about. Like when you're writing the song, envisioning the audience being the person who it's about listening to it. I think that's probably the way that I go about writing songs the most, whether I'd like to admit that to the person or not. Yeah, no, for sure. And, uh, you know, so, she just said a lot of really cool things. And I think that's why she's doing so well is is the attitude that she has. She said, you work as hard as you can. You strive for the best, but you keep your expectations low. And that is so, so, so important. I remember early on, I know you can attest to this, we'd be, you know, we'd get that first big break. Hey, we're opening for X band and there's a, a, a band that's the support band and we're the first band on and it's it's in an arena. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. And you get there and you realize that the flyer was written wrong. It said that you were going on, at, you know, the doors were at seven, but the doors aren't until 7.30. You're on at eight and yeah, it's an arena, but there's about 140 people spread out all over the place and you're kind of let down, you know, <laughs> if you can keep those, if you can keep those expectations, that's what she said. She keeps her expectations low, but she works her tail off and, uh, you know, her, her attitude's refreshing. Her attitude, the best way I can describe it, whether she looks at it this way or not, but I think it's a very DIY punk rock attitude and her style of music might be different, but I really think that she's cut from the same cloth as us. Well, Chris, it's time to talk about this month's fundraiser. Nice. Tell them about it. Yeah. This month's fundraiser here at Krista makes a podcast is star ovarian cancer foundation. If you could please head over to Krista makes a difference.com. It'll link you to their page where you can make a donation. Uh, and, and any amount counts. Uh, we, we appreciate all your help each month to those who donate. And, uh, we've done a number of, of, uh, cancer fundraisers, uh, on the show so far, just because, uh, cancer pretty much affects everybody. So once again, please head over to Krista makes a difference.com and give Give whatever you have to give. Yeah, I sound like a broken record saying this, but even if you could chip in a buck or two to this month's charity uh, that benefits ovarian cancer, it makes a difference. That's why it's called ChristaMakesADifference.com. It's not just that Chris makes himself is making a difference. It's all of us <laughs> making a difference via the Chris makes a podcast uh, fundraising website, which is Chris makes a difference.com. That's right. And Hey, I'm still doing those custom songs for you, a loved one, a friend, a foe. And uh, Chris, why don't you roll that song again for us? Let me roll that thing. I can write you a sky song or maybe So you don't want to hear me rap. Pick any other style. Trust me. I could even write a ballad for your anniversary or your birthday. Looking for a voiceover, jingle, or music for your business, podcast, or TV show? Well, look no further. I'm your guy. That's right. If you'd like your very own custom song, hit me up at ChristaMakes at gmail.com. I'd love to write one for you. Uh, please follow me on Instagram at less than Chris D. And uh, Chris, I hear uh, you've been quite the thespian as of late. Yeah, I'm a movie star now. Kind of. 
Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> did you get to walk the red carpet? I actually did. Go, I did go to a red carpet, uh, a red carpet gala? Gala. 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 I don't know if it's gala or gala. I've heard it pronounced both ways. But yes, I am in the movie Back for Good. It is streaming now on Amazon Prime and it's on Google Play and it's on Apple TV. Or you can just go to backforgoodfilm.com. I was nervous to see myself acting, but my friends and my mom and all my aunts, they all said I did great in it. So if you go to backforgoodfilm.com, or search for it on any of those other places. You can see me in my uh, my film debut. That's right. You know, and, and I watched it, Chris, and I actually got lost in your character. I forgot for a moment that you're the basis for Punchline and the producer for Krista Makes a Podcast. So you, good job. Uh, hats <laughs> off to you. Good Thanks, job. Thanks, man. Good job. And uh, for for those of you who don't know about our supporting cast program, yeah, that's our VIP program here. We would love for you to be a part of it, and you can hear extra content with our after-party episodes. Chris, tell them how to find that. You can go to chrisdemakes.com, and for the amount of money that you would spend on one Michelob Ultra per month or, or one or one <laughs> coffee at Starbucks, you can help support the podcast, and on top of that, get Lots of extra episodes and, you know, help out your buds if you are enjoying the podcast because we want to continue to bring you great guests and great episodes. And we put a lot of time and effort into this. So, you know, we appreciate that. That's why it's called the supporting cast. You are our supporting cast. So, yeah, ChrisDemakes.com if you are interested. Thank you so much for listening. And I want to give a big special thanks to this week's guest, Verte, for sitting in with us. And we'll see you next week. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.